This is The Other 14 Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Other 14 Podcast, the only podcast that forgets about the so-called Big Six and focuses only on The Other 14. Leicester, Wolves and West Ham fans will all be thrilled this weekend as their teams did not face a defeat. Instead, we were treated to an international break in the same way that a child is treated to a visit to the dentist. And by God, England v Italy was certainly like pulling teeth on Friday night. A poor performance which was then compounded by a loss and a relegation out of the top division of the Nations League for Southgate's men. Just as England fans had written off their chances in Qatar later this year, there was a surprise comeback from England, coming from 2-0 down to grab a 3-2 lead. Then, as we were in the middle of engraving England into the World Cup trophy, an unfortunate individual error was made by Nick Pope, which snatched a draw from the jaws of victory. This week, as always, I'm joined by Tom. Hello, Reese. Hello, Tom. So, Tom, after a week of international football, are you now buzzing for the World Cup, or do you just want the Premier League back as a comforting constant in your life? I've got to be honest, mate. I'm in a bit of a quandary with that. Don't don't get me wrong. There's nothing worse than an international break, um, especially the first one of the season. I mean, we we basically crapped all over that last week. And yes, the Italy game had me thinking first half I'd rather watch paint dry, and second half that I wanted to go all around uh, the house and purposely stub my toe on any object I could find, whether that would be a table leg, a door frame, or the edge of a chest of drawers. So you wouldn't be wrong to think that I'm more than happy that the Prem is returning this weekend. That being said, with roughly a month to go before things kick off in Qatar, last night's game, that being Monday as we record this um, on a Tuesday, had me by all means buzzing and back in a perpetual state of unhealthy hopefulness that comes with being an England fan. And I can only be led to the conclusion obviously, that football is definitely coming home and that England are winning the World Cup. But at last, the Premier's back again, for reals this time, after what's been a bit of a stop-start few weeks, and we can finally get back to seeing how our other 14 teams get on. Well, that you've summed up your feelings perfectly there. <laughs> um, I agree. When we were 2-0 down against Germany, I was very much going, oh, well rubbish at international football anyway why does it matter and then as soon as we got back to uh then winning 3-2 when we won that penalty I was jumping up and down um like a rabbit on a pogo stick it was <laughs> it was suddenly really exciting I was fully in it's coming home mode as well tempted to get the face paints out and put a St George's cross oh, on my yeah. face but Bidil and Skinner was definitely being played yes um and then suddenly reality hit of, oh, we're, we're, draw- we're drawing with Germany instead of beating them. Um, but it, compared to how the summer international break left us and the Italy game, I felt there was a lot more positivity towards Southgate and his men um, after that Germany game because it showed that we actually had a bit of fight and a bit of fire. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, ultimately a lot has to be said in this round of fixtures. I mean, it wasn't so much... The defensive, well, 
obvious sort of frailties that sort of came to mind with one player in, in particular, but we'll, we'll obviously get onto him later. And I think everyone can basically predict who we're going to be speaking about. But it was just the fact that we'd gone, what was it, like 250-odd minutes plus just without scoring a goal, which, you know, granted, you need a decent defence to win tournaments, but also goals win your games. And the fact that we'd just been toothless in front of goal with the attack that we have was just a major cause for concern. And we started the Germany game very much similar to the way we were playing in the Italy game, where just nothing, there was no link up. There was just like these players have just been playing together for like the very first time. There was just no sort of, um, nothing was sort of syncing up well, but there was suddenly like a period in that first half against Germany where um, some, I think it was like the 25th minute onwards, we, Suddenly, like you know, it's a bit of link up play between Kane, Sterling, the front line. Foden was just starting to tick a little bit, and it, it seemed as though we just suddenly turned a complete, we just ch- shifted gear into like you know, we've gone from like early second, sort of going up sort of like a hill, really steep hill, and then suddenly out of nowhere, we just suddenly found form and just were really sort of attacking Germany and, and actually taking the game to them, which I think for this team over the last sort of five or six games, especially in the um, in the Nations League, we've been quite guilty at just playing safe football, I think. And it was actually nice to see us taking a bit to the opponents, you know, the likes of Bellingham driving us forwards, uh, attacking runs by Sterling. Saka, when he came on in the second half, was tremendous. Um, and granted, the result was sums up basically how we've been playing over the last sort of couple of months or last couple of international um breaks but the performance i think was was the more sort of superficial note to point there yeah as much as well the result fundamentally didn't matter because we have relegated out of the yeah. top tier of the nation which League. is weird to say about england but yeah well you know at the other 14 podcast we're <laughs> we're no All strangers to relegation um so it was just the nature in which we got relegated. I think it was, as you say, they're just dismal performance after dismal performance. And I do kind of get on the back of such highs of the Euros final in uh, 21, losing to Italy. Then the group was, they're good teams in our group. Germany, Italy and Hungary are very good. Um, Hungary obviously just missed out on topping the group. Um, but they obviously absolutely smashed us. 4-0, was it at Molyneux um, in yeah. the summer? To be honest, with it all, um, as we said last week, we did need some international fixtures before the World Cup. Normally, we would pick rogue friendlies and not play anyone particularly good. And to be yeah. honest, the Italy game was, oh my God. Like, I, I don't want to really say much more about the Italy game other than nothing worked, nothing linked up. No. It was just dire. And it, it was one of those games, like after the 90 minutes, you just think, I've just, wasted, I've just wasted 90 minutes plus of my life. I'm really glad. It was that sort only, of reaction. I'm really glad I only watched the second half um, because <laughs> it was, I, that oh, was, it bad, was bad enough. Well, and that's the thing. I do get that against these stronger sides, Southgate wants to set us up in a way that um, he's been able to be a strong counter-attacking side. And obviously that has worked for us at the last couple of major tournaments. Obviously didn't work against Italy. Um, Italy then were comfortable sitting back and just defending and absorbed all our pressure and we had no attacking cutting edge in that game. 
obviously the Italian goal was really good. No one was really to blame there. It was just a really... It, maybe he could have been shut down a little quicker by Kyle Walker, yeah. but otherwise it was it was just a really good goal. But then, so I was kind of, once we were relegated, I was kind of like, well, what does it matter? Um, that's done for. And it looked like a pretty poor like couple of international games leading into the World Cup. Then Germany game going two down. I was like, oh, here we go. And let's get into it. Oh. Why is... Harry Maguire in the England squad. Oh, Harry. I know the um, go-to defence is, oh, well, he's never let Southgate down, but... Well, he's glad he did then. Well, exactly. It was such a poor performance in an England shirt. The first goal, where he just passes it to Musiala before then taking him out. Just sheer and, panic. <laughs> it was. It was the fact that he get he was like, oh, here you go. And then just took him down. It was such a bad tackle as well. He didn't even get close to the ball. The fact that the referee didn't see it in the first instance and it had to go to VAR was a bit, a bit shocking. Yeah, but I mean that's that's again that's that's what's what VAR is for. So exactly, I, I don't. I mean, yeah, the referee should have seen it, yeah. but that's exactly that's the, the correct decision was fundamentally yeah. made. It's more the fact that it was such an obvious foul by him. Yeah, yeah. And then the second one where I get why Southgate says well. I do and I don't get why Southgate sets us up with five because five at the back, I get the idea is, oh, well, you can have your attacking wing backs go forward and then also it gives the opportunity that if we have a centre-back that wants to like carry the ball and break the lines, they can. But then for the second goal that we conceded, Harry Maguire decided to go on one of those runs, lost the ball pretty much on the edge of the uh, attacking third and then... Germany just kind of ran it down to the other end and scored. Admittedly, very good finish from Kai Havertz. Won't take that take that away from him. Finish. It was, but I just don't it see all, what. It, yeah, it all just I, leads I would, from Harry Maguire. I would have been happier playing with just ten men and not having Maguire on the pitch. Not talking about putting in a replacement, but and I know he's going to get so much stick over the next couple of weeks. He's already having a tough time at United, and I don't wish him bad, but. At the same time, I know that Southgate will pick him in the squad. I'll just be disappointed if he's on the team sheet, unless we see a miraculous uptick in form, which we might do for United. But at the moment, Ten Hag's not picking him. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there are better options, and I know that we'll go into uh, go into that a bit with uh, with our main feature today. Yeah, hundred um, um, percent. Yeah, go on. Obviously, the comeback was then really good. Some really good goals. The game completely changed when Phil Foden went off the pitch. Once again, I'm not here to bash Phil Foden because I think he's a very good player. Um, it just seems it just almost work for his England side. It at the moment it has, has he has he has he had, has he had a good game for England? No, but I, I think feel... it's like eight, 18 appearances and two goals or whatever. I mean, yeah. granted, he doesn't score that many for. Oh, yeah, I say he doesn't score that many, but he's not he's not like a 15 no. plus. Like no, a De Bruyne but, type stats for, for the season. But then I think he's misused. But and that's the way we have this formation. It are we forced to have kind of the midfield two and then the forward three ish. Um yep. but I think he's much better central. I don't think you put him out on put him out wide, and that's how he's been deployed a lot by Southgate. I don't think he's particularly good there. And that's why I would go with a back four. Because at the end of the day, you can play attacking football with a back four. You can see how Pep does it. Man City, they admittedly they've got world class fullbacks, but we've got one yeah. of them. 
that they'll still be able to dominate the game without having three centre-backs and two wing-backs. So I'm not sure why the five at the back is deemed as the only option. And then that would give us an extra man if we went four at the back to then have Foden in a three. And I'd say having a three of Rice, Bellingham and Foden with a number 10 hat on, I think that would potentially suit him better. But either way, once he went off, Saka came on, the game completely changed. We suddenly had a huge oh, yeah. amount of energy. When, when, yeah. Even when um, Saka and Mag came on, they just completely changed it for me. Exactly. And then, obviously, we went through two up. Brilliant. Like, that was really good. Um, and as you said, we're absolutely incredibly excited uh, for everything going on. And then, oh, it's just such a shame it's Nick Pope. Because it's I have a real to say, shame. he makes those sorts of saves for Newcastle constantly he makes those sorts of saves to um he made them for burnley constantly and mm. then oh, i just it's well, the I wrong would, it's the wrong this. time to make a mistake it was the time yeah. to solidify his position yeah. and I would, I would to prove it's, it's, that he can be the number one yeah it, it's not a world cup year without an england keeper making a dreadful error i'm just hoping that that's now out of the way and not like the first group game yeah, but I just think this gives Southgate an out. If Pickford is fit, that he's going to go. Oh well. You I still, know. I still think, I still think. Unfortunately, I think as much as I really like Nick Pope, I still think Southgate views Pickford as his number one, and we know how stubborn Southgate is in terms of his favourites. Oh yeah, exactly. Uh, Pick, uh, Pickford will be his number one if he's fit, unless something. Yeah. I think even if he has to have a real drop in form with Everton, short of him yeah. losing his hands in some sort of incident, well, um, they are very small. They, they are very. Well, it's small more his hands. arms. It's his arms. Well, it's very small it's hands on very small arms. Um, he's like Rex from Toy Story. But yeah, obviously, real shame for Nick Pope. It was his opportunity to shine and show what he's got, and he's been doing that all season. I think he has been one of the best keepers in the league, yeah. particularly amongst the other fourteen. We've. Yeah, like I said about um, the Palace game, Newcastle Palace the other week, how phenomenal he was in there. He's made save after save and kept Newcastle in so many games. Yeah. Even when they drew three or with Man City, he made some crucial saves. Yeah, uh, it's just absolutely the time it's that the focus shame. the focus is entirely on him, uh, and it's just a uh, it wasn't even a particularly good shot into him. And uh, but I, I really feel sorry so I think for the him. majority of the focus is going to be more on Harry Maguire than Nick Pope. But like you said, I think it's just a bit on very, un, it's a very unfortunate time to make that sort of mistake. Literally, when we have no more games left now before the World Cup. Exactly. I still, yeah. I still, I still think he goes. I think he'll. Be, oh, he'll be in the squad. I do. Yeah. I, I reckon. I think um, we, we, we are. We, we're lucky because we haven't been going into major tournaments, sort of back when we were sort of growing up with a plethora of sort of goalkeeping options, but we have, you'd arguably say four or five decent options we do. Um, going into this World Cup. So yeah, there's going oh, to be a good number of disappointed goalkeepers out there that don't end up on the plane. You're talking about going into the 2010 World Cup with Rob Green, David James and Joe Hart, I believe, for the three. It's one of those that come up come into mind, yep. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, we're much beyond that. Um, yep. But no, it, it, I'm I am looking forward to the World Cup still, and hopefully Southgate will see that Harry Maguire doesn't have much to offer, and actually Nick Pope is a very good keeper, regardless of how the game went last night. And last week we did speak about the lack of representation for the other fourteen in the England squad, 
And across the last two uh, Nations League fixtures, it was quite disappointing that the only players from the other 14 that featured for England were Declan Rice and Nick Pope, who started both games and played throughout the whole game on each occasion against Italy and Germany. Given how well a lot of the other 14 have started the Premier League season, we believe that there is a lot more that can be offered to the England setup by the other 14. So, Tom, you and I had some homework to do this week. We did indeed. In our scenario, tragically, all the squads from the top six have been wiped out by a super strain of overrated itis. And as a result, we're taking the reins um, for the England setup. Um, Southgate's got vaccines for that. Um, thankfully, we are not overrated, if anything, chronically underrated, so we get in quite easily. So, and since we are at the forefront of the other 14 knowledge, and they've only got the other 14 to pick from, obviously we're the number one choices. So we have gone through and selected an England team that we would want to take to the field on the 21st of November against Iran in England's first World Cup game. And we're only allowed to pick from the other 14, but also we're only allowed to pick one player from each of the other 14. Tom, this was actually yep. quite a challenge, wasn't it? I thought this was very challenging. it would be a breeze. Where are the difficulties? Um, but actually, it was quite tough. I enjoyed it thoroughly. What would you say were the biggest challenges of putting a team like this together? I think number one is just... Wolverhampton Wanderers just don't ha- hardly have any English players. <laughs> yeah, that was number. I think it's not just Wolves, but I think there are a couple of teams where they have very few English players or very few really good standout English quality, players. Or could be international quality. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking at Wolves, very few of them. And yeah. I'm looking at Fulham also didn't have an abundance. And yep. neither did. Bournemouth so they were the biggest challenges for me to be honest yeah um, and then what about in terms of positions were there any particular positions that you struggled with juggling the team about so my preferred formation always tends to be 4-3-3 three, three, I agree and... with you entirely that would be my default for it would be my yeah. default for this the full England squad going into Qatar trying to find Wingers, and I know we we've discussed this previously um, outside of the podcast. Wingers was particularly difficult to find. Also, just getting the right combination in, like the back, I think, uh, especially the back line, and then getting the right keeper in. I think there's there's a a mixture of teams where I have as I like, oh, I really want him as my keeper, and then suddenly think, oh wait, no, they've got. X, who is really, really good, and I'd like to fit him, and then just getting that right sort of mix. So, um, I am gen- I'm I'm happy, I think, with my with my side. Okay, it'll be interesting to compare. So I think what we'll uh, what we'll do is go through initially compare our formations, talk about them, and then go yep. through goalkeeper, defense, midfield options, and then forwards. If that works yep. for you, absolutely perfect. So. I am going for a formation that I don't like. I've gone with a five at the back um, with wing backs. So it's, but I've gone for a five, three, two. So I really want my wing backs to be very aggressive. So yeah. Front, oh, I don't know. So yeah, I've got, I've got three centre backs, left wing back, right wing back, 
three central midfielders, various depths of play. Yeah. And then I've got two strikers out and out. So very aggressive in the forward line. Because I mean, then it either becomes like a five, what, like a three, three, five, two, or, the, or yeah, it's kind of like three, a three, three five, three, two. Kind of, yeah, it's like a five, three, two setup. No, a three, five, yeah. two setup almost. Yeah. Um, and that is because I thought I have to rely on wing backs here because the winger conundrum is quite something, and it's really it's difficult. difficult. Mm. So, how about yourself? What formation did you go for? Obviously, as a oh. lover of the four three three, did you go with the four three three? I'm a lover of the four three three, and I managed to get a four three three. Oh, that is that's interesting. Okay, I'm intrigued yeah. by that. I I would say you a must couple, a couple have of gone plays. for a rogue yeah. left winger. I have gone for a rogue left winger because <laughs> I couldn't find one that I. I suppose there are some players that you go, oh, they could play wide left. There wasn't really that much of an option for. Oh, this is no, a standout player really who's been having a really good season. Let's put him on the on the left. Okay, so. Let's start. Uh, so, goalkeeper, who have you gone for? He has been a a fixture on a stats corner that we did a couple of weeks ago. That is Mr. Dean Henderson and Nottingham Forest. Ooh, snap! I went for Dean Henderson as well with the one yes. uh, with the one cap. Um, Friend of the pod. Yeah, for me, mostly picking Henderson. I think the other keepers that were floating about with the likes of. Pope and Pickford um, to be honest it was just based on players, other players from the team that team that I would pick so looking at yep. Forest, obviously they do have the likes of um, Lingard and Gibbs White um, yep. who are kind of quite good-ish but no one else that was really that standout that I went, I really want them in my team well I think yeah, with, the, with the likes of Newcastle and Everton for Pope and Pickford I could find others that I wanted in my team. Exactly. That was, that was basically my same thought process as well. Um, and same for Nick Pope as well. Yeah. So, okay. You've gone for Dean Henderson as well. Okay. That's good. I like that. The Forest man is in. Although I do feel he's a bit of a sneaky one because he is on loan from Manchester United. So, he's yes, kind but, of... but for the, for the, I mean, for the basis of, you know, we've, we've mentioned him in Stats Corner, which Stats Corner never lies. So, we've, um, he, he is a Forest player by nature at the moment. Exactly, Sorry, and obviously in a penalty shootout, we can. If every game went to a penalty shootout, we're there's gonna always going to be one game that goes to penalty for England in the World Cup. So yeah, mm-hmm. exactly, perfect. Okay, so you've gone four three three, and I've gone for more of a five at the back. So let's yep. go start with right sided defender. Who have you picked? Okay, so my in a four three three. So my right back yep. is Kieran Trippier of Newcastle, and my right wing back is Kieran Trippier. So my main reason for this is, and this will be throughout pretty much all the team, unless there were um, clashes in terms of position clashes, I typically went for, well, I mostly incorporated the other 14 players that Southgate has picked in this squad. Yeah. So I was, so Trippier obviously in Southgate squad, so he had that magical moment in the uh, in the World Cup semi final against Croatia. Oh, but, what a moment! Oh, I know. Then even he assisted um, Luke Shaw's goal in the yep. Euros final. I couldn't avoid him. Thirty seven appearances for England. That is why Nick Pope didn't make my team because I had to have Kieran Trippier. 
Exactly the same for me. And uh, Nick Pope was originally in my draft um, squad as keeper, but then I suddenly realised, no, I, I, I want Kieran Trippier. Plus, he's had a tremendous start to his Newcastle career as well. Was there another right-back that you would have considered over Trippier? I'll be honest, I didn't even think about that. I just, <laughs> I, I, I saw, I, when I got to, basically got to goalkeeper and then I was like, right, I'll start him a right-back. Oh, wait, I want Kieran Trippier. So I just basically just swapped out. Okay. So I kind of drafted a list of players for each position. Right. And one of my considerations, well, obviously didn't consider it that hard, but Walker Peters. So, um, but then there yeah. was another Southampton name that we'll get through in a bit who is uh, very much in my team. So um, I get... Yeah, Actually, tri- yeah, saying that, I, I did flirt with the idea of Livermento. Um, oh, good point, yeah. Who, had, who was fancy-wise last year or whenever it was, maybe like, uh, the last year or the year before, became very, very handy for me in, in fantasy football. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I feel as though his name sort of dipped down a little bit. But then ultimately, I was I think I was always going to opt for Trippier in that yeah. case. I can't, I can't disagree with you on that. Okay, and then what about left-sided defender? Mr. Tyrick Mitchell from Crystal Palace. Oh, okay. Okay, that's interesting. I like that. Obviously not being given a chance at all in the England senior setup at all. Nope. I think he's a left-back in waiting, I think, for exactly. England. I'm a big fan. I really like him. I think he's very good. When I've seen him play live as well, he's had very good games. So I oh know I like Tarek Mitchell as an option. Yeah. Um very good. No, very good selection there. Once again, I couldn't pick him because there was a nut. he 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 is very much on my list. But there was another Palace player that uh, we'll get onto shortly that I had to pick ahead of him. Ah uh, yes. So here we are going with this, yep. So my left defensive option right I've gone with James Justin playing him down the left. So Ah uh, Leicester, yep. Yeah, so that's tick my Leicester box there. See, I went with an obviously I've got I've gone for another Leicester player, but you can probably pretty much guarantee who I've gone for then. Yeah, I know who I can figure that out. Yeah. yeah, and that was my challenge really. It was it's this juggling up who can who you can pick from what team. And in terms of Leicester players, I think I had enough, not including any other Leicester players. And in yep. terms of other left back options, like the likes of um Matt Target and Aaron Cresswell, for example. Yeah, target obviously had Trippier as said Cresswell's fine, but let's be honest, there's a uh, there's a certain there's a certain midfielder who cannot an obvious midfielder that you can't you can't keep him out. No, no one's doing that swap. So yeah, I've gone James Justin. I know it's not. I know he can play either left or right, down the left or down the right. Um, Yeah, and he does have one England cap, so that's where it put me in my mind ahead of Mitchell in that he has played for England before. So I, I still think Tyrone Mitchell is a, a left back in waiting, and the, oh, I do. I, I think he's really good. And with given yep. the form of well, given the form of Luke Shaw in the Premier League or lack thereof games, um, I don't see it as a particularly long time until suddenly we're looking no. for that new left back I, I think, for England. Yeah, no, exactly. I think you look at obviously you've mentioned Shaw form. You always look at Chilwell in terms of his injury history, mm-hmm. um, and also game and, time at Chelsea now and, because now that. Um, They've got Cucurella. He's not really yep. featured much. And particularly no. now Potter's gone in there. He's, he's, he's his best mate. Yep, exactly. So, Tom, we've covered left-sided defence and right-side defence. Only one difference so far in that I've got James Justin and you have Tyrek Mitchell. And now we're obviously going to have a bit of a difference because you've only got the two centre-backs while I've included three. So, yes, who have you picked? Not yours. 
Okay, well, I'm going to pick, start with one that, I, well, maybe two that I think you're definitely going to have. So first one is Connor Cody. Correct. Okay, yeah. I figured once again, he's been picked in Southgate squad. He's got 10 caps for England, yep. kind of a nailed on really. Um, obviously, could have had Pickford for Everton, could have had um, Anthony Gordon, Calvert-Lewin, but he's obviously significantly injured at the moment. Godfrey. Um, James Tarkovsky's an option as well, but I figured Cody's been regularly picked for England by Southgate. So for me, he was straight in there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you solid, A solid option um, in the centre back position there. Um, And definitely, I would say, an improvement on Harry Maguire anyways. Yes. Even not for the fact that he's just got a personality, which Slabhead doesn't. He's great with the media. He is, but, he's really um, good. Maguire does a great means. That's the trouble. True. Um, insert Harry Maguire noise here. Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire. And then this one, I think you've probably got. And this is because there's almost no one else you can pick from this side. And this is Wolverhampton Wanderers Max Ooh. Kilman. Okay. Or is it I all? Have Max Kilman. I have, have Max Kilman. Basically, based based on the fact that. There isn't, like you said, there's no one else that you can literally pick from. However, mm. Max Kilman appears on my bench. Oh, he doesn't make the starting line. Okay, that's interesting he's for not me. Made the starting See, for me, he's got experience of playing playing in the back five for Wolves, so he's very much straight in there for me. Yep. Obviously, a representative of England before in England futsal, so obviously he's got international uh, ah. reputation and pedigree. So. Why wouldn't I take him to Qatar? Um, what I did find interesting about this with Max Kilman, though, is that he must have some family from Ukraine because um, I believe it was Andrei Shevchenko, when he was in charge of the Ukrainian setup, he tried getting Max Kilman for Ukraine. But because Max Kilman oh, right. had, but because Max Kilman had previously played for in a FIFA competition in that it was England futsal, um, uh, he couldn't he couldn't change allegiances. So, God, if we, I didn't know that. Yeah, if we couldn't have Kilman, we couldn't have had anyone from Wolves. So uh, after Cody made the move to uh, Everton in the transfer window. So Kilman's in there for me. Yeah, it is um, it's a very difficult thing with Wolves. Yeah, which makes me wonder about how they make like the homegrown quota. Because particularly does, as they've yeah. no longer got Cody, they got rid of Gibbs White as well. Um, obviously they must have a lot of youth players they that they name seen, regularly yeah. um, okay so no Max Kilman well Max Kilman makes the bench he's on the bench okay that's really like, interesting okay so I'm I'm intrigued by that and I like it um, that we've got another difference here yeah. obviously it's worth mentioning at this point we say Kilman could have had the option to potentially go and play for Ukraine. There were a couple of other players that I initially had in drafts, and I think you did as well, Tom, who yeah. we thought, oh, they, they they can play for England. Turns out they can't, and uh, we were I was more lucky than by any judgment not to have included them because either a slip of the memory for me or just lack of knowledge. Yeah. Um, and who were they? Matty Cash of Aston Villa, although technically I I, I did know that prior to that because I have seen him play in... Um, well, I'm not live, but I've, I've seen him play in um, Polish Colours 
Um, I think he's got like three or four caps for them now. Yeah, um, he did the transition it's... last year. Last year, yeah. I think. I'm, I, I, think I, I'm I remember think. that, but I completely forgot about it because he was originally in my draft list as one of my yeah. uh, fullback options. And the other one that I had absolutely no idea of, Tarek Lamptey of Brighton. Yeah, once again, he was very much on one of. Uh, he was very much on my list as a possibility. Did not know that he had uh, chosen to play elsewhere. Um, yeah, gone for Ghana. Yeah. Um, obviously got Ghanaian heritage. So, um, well, to be fair, we have a plethora of right backs at the moment. So it's going to be very difficult for him to sort of squeeze his way in. And I do um, get that. And in all fairness, yeah, he's really good. And to be honest, sometimes it's not necessarily just about opportunities. It's about how right. much of a certain country you align with more You're than so the other. So, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So he might be really close to his family from Ghana. So fair play to him. Okay. And then my third centre-back, which is someone you can't have, is Mark Gahey. And right. yeah. once again, logic was Southgate picks him. He was in the squad this time round, didn't get a game, but three caps for England. I've got to include him. So I've got him in my team. No, that's fair. Obviously, because I, I went for a, a back um back four, two centre backs that I've I've gone for. I, I just think that the pairing is Better suited the way that I've done it. Um, I don't don't get me wrong. I think Gay's a Gay's a quality player, yeah. um, but just the, the the balance of picking from certain other fourteen sides, just it it, I just couldn't fit him in. No, that that's fair because obviously picking uh, Tyrick Mitchell brought him out. Can I make yeah. a guess on your final centre back then? I'm guessing that it's probably Consa from Villa. <laughs> wow. Oh, unless it's the other Villa centre-back, Mings. No, it's not Mings. Um, Who is it then? Because literally my list is Gehi, Cody, Dawson, Mings, Tarkovsky, Konza and Kilman. It is Lewis Dunk of Brighton. Oh, Dunk is, a... Dunk is a really good shout. I and you know how I... much we like Brighton. I think I Obviously mean... you have to include a Brighton player, but yeah. Of course, I think I immediately maybe ruled him out because I was thinking of going for um, Tarek Lamptey. Yeah. And then obviously that completely changed anyway. So, yeah. okay. Has one appearance. Good. Has one That's appearance for England back in was, 2018. Okay, was it a case of that you picked him over other players who have caps because of really like you just like him more? Or was it because you had to fit other teams into your system? It was more other teams into the system. I was I didn't start from the back and work my forward. I was sort of picking definites that I knew would be in my team anyway and then trying to work it around that. So I think Dunk was sort of like one of the last sort of pieces of the jigsaw to go in. Okay. Basically because I had no I I basically cho- chosen my back four, just minus one centre back. And I was sort of scrolling through the list of sort of teams that I hadn't chosen from yet. And Brighton was one of them, and then it was sort of between Kilman and Dunk, I think, in terms of who goes into the um, into the centre of the fence. I just went Dunk. No, that's fair, and I think Brighton there yeah, aren't a great amount of England options to pick from. So no. I think, I mean, there's still the likes of Soddy Marks, Adam Lana, Danny Welbeck. Oh, yeah, but um, some of them are a bit past in terms of yeah. I once again got Welbeck and Lana on my list, but they were never going to make my team to be honest. And, and Dunk has been solid for Brighton over a number of years now, so yeah, no, makes sense. No, that's completely fair. So um, that completes your completes your defence. So that's Tyrick Mitchell, Connor Cody, 
Lewis Dunk and then Kieran Trippier. That's absolutely that's that's, my back that's a good back four. I like that. And obviously they're all protecting Dean Henderson. Yep. I though, on the other hand, have James Justin, Connor Cody, Max Kilman, Mark Gahey, and Kieran Trippier. But obviously Again, a, a nice sort of back back five there. I, I think I really I think that works. Yeah, uh, particularly as I do think Justin works really well going forward. And obviously yeah. Trippier's balls into the box are absolutely yeah. next level. So he's quality. Um, and particularly, I think that really works with my forwards having a, a wide player who can put the ball in. Moving into our midfield, let's just get the obvious one out of the way. Let's get the obvious, yeah. We can't, we can't ignore him. He was phenomenal yesterday against Germany. He's pretty much phenomenal every week. Declan Rice, 33 appearances already for England, even though not that long ago he hadn't transitioned to playing from England from Ireland. Easy, easiest name on the sheet for me, to be honest. Pretty much. I think there's maybe one other player there who, who might have just snuck in um, in terms of definite positions. But yeah, um, Declan Rice was just a person who had to make my team. There was just no, no two ways about it. Yeah, don't get me wrong. There are other West Ham English players, but none that can... Not, none that regularly make the England squad or England starting 11 regular. So having him in there was a complete no-brainer. He's sitting in there, Declan Rice. Um, also a good player. option for captain captaincy as well. So Oh, I hadn't, I hadn't even considered captaincy. Um, I've literally just thought about it just now. So yeah, I haven't even Yeah, to be honest, either. seeing the way he captains, uh, captains West Ham, uh, yeah, I can't. And even last night, watching him in the Germany game, the way he was barking orders around the pitch at the players, and he's not even captain. He is a true leader and such a young guy as well. So good pick there. Well done us for picking the most obvious pick we could have picked. Let's pat ourselves on really the back. Ourselves on, yeah, pat ourselves on the back there. Yeah. I okay. Hit myself over the back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next midfielder. So you've gone for. A th- I've got three in midfield. You've got three in midfield. Yeah. I'm gonna take a stab. That you've probably also got James Ward Prowse. Do you have James Ward Prowse as well? Yes. James Ward Prowse, yep. 11 caps for England. Once again, Southampton have some good options, but none that really rival a player that is consistently in the England squad. Um, no. And, so. and that was my sort of thought process behind it and um, sort of looking at, you know, what, what options Southampton, like I said, really sort of have. We've sort of mentioned the. Um, Mentioned Livermento, Walker Peters um, as well. Walker Peters, um, obviously got Ainsley, Mate, and Niles in there. But oh, um, up until last mention, season, Fraser did, Forster could mention, have been a yep, could have been an option. Fraser Forster, and obviously we were talking about wingers earlier. Theo Walcott, but obviously oh, I no. think probably, probably passed it. <laughs> he was you know, never, been, he was never getting anywhere near my. Son. I mean, it was oh, like what, are you going to pick? Na- one, are you going to pick Nathan Redmond as well as an option? Behave. Oh, Pep, Pep loves him, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah, I, th- I think James Ward-Prowse, realistically, was just the, the obvious candidate from, from Southampton. Yeah. Um, no, that's a yeah, good pick again. Well done, us. Um, regularly in England set up, good player. So, um, And once again, it'll be good having options of Trippier or James Ward-Prowse on set pieces, to be honest. That's um, a delightful sort of oh, choice. Great, isn't it? Oh, imagine yep. that. Oh, aren't we so good? Okay. Um, so this is where we differ. Yes, I hundred percent know who your next pick is, based yep. on the fact that you didn't pick James Justin earlier, and he is on incredible form. So you've got James Madison as your. I do have uh, James Madison. So yeah, it becomes pretty pretty uh, self-explanatory. My midfield. 
yeah, no, that makes sense. Have Rice sitting, yeah. Madison as that forward option, and the Ward Prowse as the kind of more in between player. No, um, can't disagree with Madison to be honest. He's played a couple of times for England, hasn't he? At this point, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and the way he started this season, especially with Leicester not playing fantastically well right now, easiest candidate you could we get for Player of the Year right now for um for Leicester. So um, yeah, had to be in there. And another person who can be on free kicks. So, oh. yeah, our, our <laughs> options for free kicks right now is very tasty. Wait until you get to one of my forwards. Um, then they'll be queuing up to take it. Anything outside the 18-yard box, they're all going to be having a go. <laughs> I'm going to have a stab at your other midfielder. Okay. Literally, because I, I can't think of anywhere else where you'd stick um, a Leeds player. Jack <laughs> Harrison. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Jack Harrison, once again, leads a couple of options from Leeds, but mostly looking at the likes of Bamford, who's injured quite a lot as well. So, quite a lot and just very, he scores, but he's also very wasteful. Yeah, you have to, You, I'd like to see his, his goals versus any XG, because it does seem to me that he has to have about 10 chances before he scores one. And yep. he's a good finisher, but obviously not regularly enough. Yeah, Jack Harrison, I think, had a really good season last season, um, scored a good amount of goals for, in all fairness, a Leeds team that does score a lot of goals, but also concedes yep. a lot. But as an attacking midfield option, um, I thought high energy, that's what we need from our midfield. And started this season really, really well as well. Exactly. And to be honest, very few other Leeds options that I could have picked. And it would it was a bit of a toss-up between Madison and Harrison, but it was just the fact that I had James Justin kind of ed- yeah. well, obviously edged Harrison into that position. So had to have um had to have those three now. So James Ward Prowse, Declan Rice, and Jack Harrison. Obviously yeah. Harrison get to feature for England seniors at all. Um so but he strikes me as he might be the sort of pl- I don't know much about him, but with most English players, they inevitably have some sort of British blood. So, um, based on his age, it wouldn't surprise me if he, if he doesn't get a call up. No, I think, I think there's, next... a, there's a route. There's a route to the squad. I think for him in the yeah. up and coming future. I hope so because he's he is really good. But once again, attacking yeah. midfield options is highly competitive. Oh, or it just, really is. Or just forward, uh, or just English midfielders. Um, so we got Rice, Rice and James Ward Prowse. Um, you've got James Madison. Could have considered Jesse Lingard, Gibbs White as well. Adam Lallana, De Silva for Brentford as well. Um, yep. And Jacob Ramsey from Villa um, is yep. a, Again, was an option that I thought about. Options, yeah. mm. So really strong options. Yeah. Um, so I'll yeah. also just point out that Harrison has made my squad, um, but obviously he's on the bench because... Um, it sounds like his... your bench is significantly stronger than me, but I've got no idea who you're then... And I suppose, yeah, I've got no idea about your wide players, which is going to be really interesting for me. Yeah, I think this this is where we sort of hugely differ. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so let's go with it then. Um, I think I've announced more of my team than yours. So let's go straight away. Who's your left winger? So my left winger is Jaden Anthony of Bournemouth. Okay. <laughs> like... I can sense the clogs wearing in your head right now. It's so like, loud. This, this, and I do not mean any offence to him. Um, but how many games has he actually played for Bournemouth? He's made five in, appearances this year. This season, made, okay, so he's uh, fairly a regular. Any goals? Of, 
four off the bench and he's got one goal and he scored against Forest. So oh, yeah. there's a lot there's a lot of talk. Um basically <laughs> be. about Yeah, there is. Um you better believe it. About, you know, up and coming star for Bournemouth has been, you know, one of their academy sort of highlights coming through. Huge talks about trying to sign new contracts and trying to sort of keep him at the club. So one of those sort of young and up and coming stars. Also the fact that I just couldn't fit anybody else at the left wing at that position and someone from Bournemouth had to come in there. So um it's a sort of a mix up, but I I, I, th- I think he'll do bits. Okay. Uh I'm I'm sure he will, and I'm sure his mum also thinks so as well. Um, <laughs> okay, well, Jaden Anthony, welcome to the other fourteen. Eleven for Tom. Not nice. He's he's going to be delighted when he finds out that he's on his way to Qatar and he's uh, <laughs> and he's in the starting eleven since he's only got one start for Bournemouth this season. Yep. What an absolute rise to fame for him. Okay, um, and then. Who's your right? Well, I think I can guess your right forward is probably Solly. No, you've picked a Brighton player already. Yes. Ooh. Who is your Who is your right winger then? I've gone for Ollie Watkins. Oh, notorious right winger Ollie. Yeah, Watkins, the notorious right winger. But he's because, definitely, you know, a, I've got, definitely a centre forward. Trippier is going to be sort of wandering down that right wing, so I'm giving Ollie Watkins the freedom of just sort of wandering in to the um to the eighteen yard box and sort of meandering around that area okay. so um that so you, is, want, so you um, wanted to play a 4-3-3 so you've actually played <laughs> i've really like it's basically square pegs in round holes right now um so this is where it sort of falls apart a little bit but ollie watkins has got experience with england um as far as i'm, I'm trying to look at his stats i think he has grabbed he, a couple of goals he's made seven appearances for england um yeah. i'm not sure on the amount of goals so um but mm. uh, he's definitely picked up a few i think he might he might have picked up two i think at this point yeah, yeah, he has, he has two goals for England, so it's not a, it's not a horrendous return. Granted, it's only two goals. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like in terms of percentages of games he's played, in terms of games he's score, uh, goals he scored, it, it's not a bad return. Oh, I think Colin Watkins is a very good pick, but yeah. he's not a right winger. No, he's not a right winger, but I mean, <laughs> we'll, we'll call it sort of a right winger, a right forward. Okay, he's a right forward. Okay, po- yeah. That, okay, because you've got such aggressive fullbacks, you're going to have. Um... You're going to have uh, Jaden Anthony and Ollie Watkins tuck in close. Okay. Yeah. And I guess that um, based on teams... Left and JWP or... and Ross shepherding the back four or the back two, as it will probably now be. Yeah, nice. <laughs> nice. Okay. So then I guess um, one of the obvious centre-forward picks, and I assume this is going to be the player rounding off your 11, oh, is, is Ivan Tony. It is Ivan Tony. Gareth Southgate, why did you only play him for like like was it five minutes yesterday? It, I just can't get my head over that. But yes, it's Ivan Tony. We digress. So Ivan Tony with just the one appearance from the bench for England, um, but his first squad. I really hope he goes to Qatar. He gives us something quite different. He's been really good this season for Brentford and last season, obviously in terms of goals and assists. And it won't be a surprise that I've also picked him for my eleven. So he's one of my two forwards. So yeah. Brentford do have a couple of players that you can pick, but to be honest, there was Tony's the one that's been picked for Southgate in England, so Tony's the one that's going into my team. I've just had a mind blank. Have you actually named any other forwards apart from Tony? Not yet. I've still no. got my other forward to name. Right. And this is where I was a little stuck. So not in terms of players, not in terms of teams rather, because I but it's about Two players who play in a similar position 
for the same team and are both English. You've already named one of them. I'm not sure who partners Ivan Tony better for me. Is it Danny Ings or is it Ollie Watkins? So they would be my forward two as a as an up top. Obviously, if you're bringing Ings to go alongside Tony, you're playing big man, little man. But Watkins has made more appearances for England than Danny Ings. So I'm really not sure. I think in terms of sort of overall goal record, that's including club and country. I would opt for Ings. And I think Watkins probably has a similar sort of role that I think Tony would also play. That also basically just completely dis- disintegrates my thought thought process of having both of them on the same side. <laughs> but in terms of two to play, in terms of two to play together, oh yeah, the difference is obviously Watkins is going to be hugging the hugging the white touchline because he's yeah. going to be slinging those balls into the box as the exactly. winner. He's got um, a fantastic cross, don't you know? Um, um, I, I didn't. So, but no, that's the thing, and that's where I had pretty I would much. Go for, there, I'd go for Ings. Yeah, it just feels a bit wrong because Watkins has been picked more regularly. Reversant yeah. than Danny Ings, but they were. Because you also have to look at injury history of Danny Ings. Um, same the whole reason that none of us, I think, have got DCL in our side. Yeah, or Bamford. Um, or Bamford. Yeah, okay. Also, well, you know, there's what? a little bit of bias in me that thinking, you know, ex, ex Liverpool as well. Danny Ings is just, you know, he's a he's a good striker. He's a good lad. You know what? And, no, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm sticking with two big men up top. I'm going Tony and Watkins as my forward two. Okay. No, you've fine. got the wide men. You've got the players that can put the ball into the box from set pieces. Yeah, they're going to have unique chemistry and they're going to be phenomenal. So um, yeah, they're my forward two of uh, Tony and Watkins. Um, so, what teams have you missed out from your starting eleven? So there's one more team that I have not mentioned, and that is Fulham. Yes. So in terms of my bench, so you've got Kilman. I've got Kilman and Harrison. And Harrison from Leeds. Okay. So then Fulham as well. I massively struggled with Fulham in terms of positions. I've got a Fulham player on my bench, as you probably would have guessed, because he's not. So do I. My Fulham uh, player that I've picked for this squad is... Is he a defender by any chance? (laughs) No, he's not. My Fulham player is a midfielder. What position does your Fulham player play? Plays in defence. Ooh. So it's not a very attack-minded bench. I will grant you that, but I think Harrison does give you you a bit. So you've got got Harrison, Kilman, and then... I have Tosin Adarabayo. Nice. He used to play for Chelsea, or am I making that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a good pick. Chelsea graduate, um, but has been um, sort of really quite lauded uh, amongst the um, amongst the Fulham faithful. I think this season okay. and in, and uh, in their um, in their promotion push as well. Again, big sort of murmurings about whether or not he get he gets a move away from Fulham. But I think there is um, actually it wasn't Chelsea; it was City. Oh, okay. City, um, but City Academy we know is is very very good right now, so that's a good thing to have on your CV. Um, and I think Fulham fans love him. Um, nice. He's played. I'm trying to look at his stats for this season. I think he has played a good number of games. Got about over eighty appearances now for Fulham. Forty Premier League appearances. Oh, oh, bloody bucket loads. Um, yep. That's quite interesting because my Fulham player hasn't made 40 appearances in the Premier League for Fulham. He's only made 38. 
but he also did make 17 Premier League appearances for Southampton. I've gone with Harrison Reed. Really? Yes. Oh. Why are you so upset was, about me no, picking I was, Harrison I was, Reed? I was, just, I, was just looking, I was just looking at his stats. Yeah, he's he's played. Oh, I see why, because um, the Premier League app has completely duplicated um, for some reason the 21, 20, uh, 2021 season for some reason on his stats. So okay. um, any anyone who works for the Premier League app, you you messed up. Yeah, so I picked Harrison Reed. He scored in for Fulham recently, I think. Um, but you know what? It was a case of there weren't many players to pick for Fulham. No, and... I, th- I think that's I think that's a good option. Yeah. Um, my other two benches then are. Yeah. Uh, from Brighton, I have Sonny March. Good option. I like that. And then I'm from Bournemouth because it's I because I didn't pick um, Jaden Anthony. What, you didn't pick oh, I I, you because didn't I didn't pick Jaden Anthony. I've gone with Dominic Solanke. See, I I was thinking about Dominic Solanke, but it's just well. I, I can't I can't really say goal record because Jay Nancy basically has none. Um, but I was trying to fit in wingers, so it didn't really sort of help my case. Whereas you you going for two strikers really sort of you you sort of got around it. Yeah, me as I had it was probably within the first five minutes of trying to put this team together when yep. no, there's no chance with wingers, particularly as soon yep. as you include um, Declan Rice, you rule out Jared Bowen. Thing is also for my, my squad, I can if it does go tits up, which I, I think looking at my front line, it might struggle a little bit. I do have options then to take one of those front three off and then stick an extra defender in and then have Trippier and Mitchell sort of bombing down the wings. That's true. That's a fair point. But the same way as I can uh, I can bring on Sully March and turn Watkins into a left winger if I wanted to, since he's being converted all over uh, the place. Excuse me, right winger. Yeah, but I could I could put him as left winger because I'm going to have Solly March on my right. So yes. okay, so um, one last read through, Tom. Tell me who your other fourteen World Cup eleven is going to be for England. So for England, the other fourteen eleven that I have picked in goal, it's Dean Henderson of Nottingham Forest, right back Kieran Trippier of Newcastle, left back Tyrant Mitchell of Crystal Palace. The two centre backs are Connor Cody of Everton and Lewis Dunk of Brighton. In centre mid, we have James Ward-Prowse of Southampton, James Madison of Leicester, and Declan Rice of West Ham. And up front, the mighty three that are Ivan Tony of Brentford, and the wingers au natural of Ollie Watkins of Aston Villa, and Jaden Anthony of Bournemouth. And on the bench, Mats Kilman of Wolves, Tosin Adrabayo of Fulham, and Jack Harrison of Leeds. Nice. Good lineup. And for me, on the 21st of November... Against Iran in Qatar, in goal of Nottingham Forest, I have Dean Henderson. And left wing back, I have James Justin of Leicester. Right wing back, I have Kieran Trippier of Newcastle. And then I have a centre back three of Connor Cody of Everton, Max Kilman of Wolves, and Mark Gahey of Crystal Palace. Then my midfield three is James Ward Prowse of Southampton, Declan Rice captain of West Ham United and Jack Harrison of Leeds and then an up top big two of Ivan Tony of Brentford and Ollie Watkins of Aston Villa um 
as I was reading that out, Tom, I've only just realised that one of my other bits of reasoning for having Connor Cody and Max Kilman in the same team is because they've played with each other before, but in a back five for Wolves. Yep. So I think both teams would be fine. I think both teams would get out the group against Wales, USA and Iran. I think I think we've smashed it, to be honest. Um, the objective think- was clear, get into the knockouts, and both our teams are doing that without without any problem. I think deeper into the tournament, we may be struggling, but I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think with the group that England have, for both of our teams, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, I think that they're getting through. I think there's definitely solid defensive placements that we've we've um, opted for. And I think both of our midfields would arguably walk into this current England lineup, bar a couple of players who did play extraordinarily well. Um yesterday but then I think just deeper into the tournament it is always the, the it's always going to be difficult when you take a man like Harry Kane out of the squad um, due to overrated itis but yeah I think scoring goals later on against the tougher sides who are set up better defensively it just it might be tricky but it mu- I, it think, might be. I think that they would make a good account of themselves they would and you've got to remember no team has faced Ivan Tony yet, and when they do, or oh, oh, they're in trouble. They are in big trouble because Ivan um, Tony I also is didn't, quality. I didn't um, opt for a captain, but I will say it probably is Declan Rice. But I have a good leadership group of Rice, Ward, Prowse, Cody, Dunk, and Trippier as well. Do we want us managing, or are we going to choose one of the other fourteen current managers? Oh, who do Southgate? We... <laughs> for me, I think there's only one clear choice. Who's your clear choice? Mr. Eddie Howe. That is a very good, um, very good. Although I was, I was saying that, I say clear choice. There are a couple of others, um, but then it gets into a bit of loyalties with the likes of Moyes. Ah, uh, he's he's Scottish. You can't a, a pick true him. Scot- Scotsman. You can't uh, pick Moyes. You can't pick Scott. You can't pick Moyes. You can't pick Brendan Rogers because of his nope. um, Irish links. Um, to be honest, Eddie Howe, good English manager. I would though for a cup competition like this because um, I, I would be picking and I know he's no longer of the other 14 but I'd pick Scott Parker he's the manager that I think would be able to inspire a team against all odds we saw the um, the video that came out of him talking to his players in the final few games of the season to get Bournemouth promoted I think these lads would run onto the pitch and be prepared to die for Scott Parker if uh, he's giving the team talk the, the same Scott Parker that after the 9-0 against Liverpool basically said, you guys are shit, that well, you're going to get us relegated. Yeah, but this team isn't going to lose 9-0 because they're phenomenal. Okay. <laughs> In all fairness, he wasn't wrong. His team were shit. And it got him sacked. Exactly. But that's why, look, he's freely available. You're not going to have to... He is free, yep, yep, you are he not going to have to pay any... Uh, any fee to any club to release him for the, for the we're also saying that other other freely availables are Deitch and Allardyce. Allardyce has pedigree, hundred percent record. Hundred percent record. I, 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 I do. For them, Adam Lallana. I do have a back five and two big men up top. I think I've. I think I've made. Ball? I think I've made Allardyce's. Uh, <laughs> I think if Allardyce was to write some uh, Qatari uh, World Cup erotic fan fiction. I think I may have just given him most of the plot line. I think, yeah, you've given Allardyce his wet dream there, I think. 
he'll he'll be having a great time with the uh, with a pint of red wine, thinking about my eleven. Um, shout out to Big Sam. Um, thank you for listening, as always, a loyal listener. Of the pod. And this episode sponsor has come via the Watford branch of the Football Managers Job Centre. Are you a manager with the ambition and drive to take a bang average squad to the Premier League? Then do we have a job for you? Come to Watford. At Watford FC, you can expect to be challenged from day one, as the owner will be insisting on assisting you in picking your matchday squad and all transfers, if you're lucky enough to make it to the transfer window. Perks of the job include a competitive salary with a great payout bonus when you're inevitably sacked, a lovely yellow tracksuit to wear on match day, to be confused with any of the other 10 managers that we've had in the last three years, and you'll also get a very low workload, as you can expect to only be in the job for about 12 weeks of the year. If you're interested in this position, please send your application to the Endless Manager Merry-Go-Round, Vicarage Road, Watford, Hertfordshire. So, Tom, as our international reach is growing, we have had more questions from further afield yet again. And this week we have had a question in from Christos from Paphos, which is very exciting. So his question to us is, if you could buy one of the other 14 clubs, excluding Newcastle, which club would you want to buy and which has the most untapped potential? So I'll let you lead away. Which club would you like to buy? So this is basically going. Um, what's that? That cheat mode in in Football Manager, um, or, or like financial just... takeover? On Pretty fee- much, yeah. On you FIFA, you used to get financial takeover on the career mode. So suddenly, you had a two hundred million pound budget, which was uh, always made the game Pretty a little much. bit when you go, "Oh, I'm um, I'm AFC Wimbledon, and I've just signed Zlatan Ibrahimovic." I, I would take Southend straight to the Champions League if that was the case, but. Um... Any, uh, my immediate thought with that is sort of looking. I would take it on like maybe like a, a historical basis. So I, I sort of went around the houses in terms of my thought process about which team that I, I would have thought of. Um, initially, I was sort of thinking historical. So sort of the likes of Forest, Leeds, Villa. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, two two clubs there that have got good European, well, solid European success um, in comparison to the rest of the rest of the Premier League. Um, but then I was sort of also thinking maybe like catchment areas again, sort of the likes of London and Birmingham. Um, again, Villa sort of coming to that quite handily, being sort of Birmingham as a, as a second city or as mm-hmm. the second city of the UK yeah. or England rather. Um, Birmingham being the second city of England, ex capital, yeah, just sort of coming from that sort of angle. Um, I think also looking about how teams can be run or have been run previously, whether or not they're easy to run. So stability. Um, so not the likes of the ad that we've just done in terms of like Watford, where they just constantly sack a manager. But if us as owners then would come in, I don't think we'd be running the clubs like that way. Um, and then also maybe like the reputation of the club. So that's basically with amongst other clubs. Um, and then as neutrals, sort of there's a lot of like, Ourselves from like a neutral perspective would look at certain clubs and think, oh yeah, that's a nice club. So I'm sort of looking at that angle. Don't tell me you're going through all this and you're going to pick Bournemouth or Fulham. I've gone for Southampton. Oh, okay. Okay. Basically, because if you look at like their academy Mm -hmm. and their graduates list, and like this has been been done previously, but if you look at their graduates list and just put that team together, 
So I'm looking at the likes of Bale, Walcott, Oxlade Chamberlain, um, but those sort of players, and then the likes of James Ward Prowse right now, like that's a, that's a great team to start with. True, but would you say that's... and a fantastic academy, and then obviously you're piling in the money at the same time, and then just gradually building anyway. So I I, I would say Southampton because they have a great academy. I think a great catchment area on the south coast because you then take the likes of Bournemouth fans who maybe just slightly demoralised with maybe performances and like want to switch over Portsmouth that sort of area. You're relying on the traitors. Yes, I'm relying on traitors. I'm relying on armchair fans and sort of like say, "Oh, I want to support Bournemouth." They just come up and then just go, "Ah, no, screw it." Okay, I'd rather go follow the same. Um, but yeah, but Southampton, I think I think that's that would be my opting. Okay, I like the logic of that. Um, I didn't really want to go for a London club. But I just I just no, think no, that's fair. In terms of untapped potential, part of me is thinking, well, kind of their model is that they do have to keep selling these players to keep ticking over. Um, And would they have necessarily bought all their academy prospects that you've listed there and there are more of through the system? Doesn't there in that lie the untapped potential in the fact that they keep selling off their... um, True, but would they bring all those players through at the same rate if they had permanent places in the starting 11 so like would the likes of I don't know let's say I don't, let's say would the likes of Lalana had come through because he did come through their academy I'm pretty sure pretty or sure Jay, yeah. or Jay Rodriguez would they have been given a chance at such a young age had they still had Bale Walcott and Oxley Chamberlain um, in their 11 I'm not as certain but still I, I do get the reasoning behind it I mean, if you look at also academies right now, I mean, the likes of City's Academy hasn't wasn't historically fantastic, but with the, the Emirati money that sort of come in, like their academy now is fantastic. You, you only got to look at the likes of Phil Fold and Cole Palmer sort of coming through. Um, and Pep is always naming players on the bench and giving those opportunities that why can't Southampton with the academy as it is right now and the investment you know, that, that that was just sort of my, my, no, my sort of thought process. I think I think that's a solid answer. So when I read Untapped Potential, I had to look at what teams are currently poorly owned and run yeah, and how could that be massively exploited or like developed rather than exploited. So my immediate go-to and is my answer is Everton. So Everton don't run themselves well. They're awful in the transfer window. I feel like they're an ever-present in the Premier League. Yep. Talks about history. Everton do have that. They've won a few cups in their time. Not the European history history of the other teams you've listed, but they have been an ever-present in the Premier League, which is really significant. And I just a new stadium on the way. Exactly. And that was kind of my logic in terms of depends on what you mean by untapped potential and how you're gonna deal with that. Part of me is thinking, well, you could buy Everton. Like kind of turn them around a little bit, wait until wait until the new stadium's built, um, and then sell the club for much more money than it's worth. Um Yeah. And that I mean, God, that 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 uh those sort of fixtures up in the um the northwest have suddenly become a lot more tasty. Exactly. You have basically got a four of City, United, Liverpool and Everton. Exactly. Well, four, like yeah, that yeah, yeah. exactly. I, I, I do like that pick. So that was my that was my logic. The yeah. same reason I kind of half thought about West Ham in that if you kind if we were to go if us two were to get the money together to buy West Ham now, um, you're pretty much gifted a free stadium. 
pretty much yeah exactly but in terms of untapped potential i looked at it as yes i acknowledge that there are probably some youth academies that could be doing better and southampton have a very good youth academy that could just do with some more assistance i just think everton purely on the grounds that they have a unbelievably loyal fan base that has grown very frustrated over the years yeah new new hands on the wheel could really help develop and you've seen that Everton still do kind of okay and they've had a lot of seasons of mediocrity but when they are run well so when it was David Moyes manager for example they they were challenging for European spots and um, and obviously that's fallen apart more recently now where they've had a lot of instability and well we just spoke about Watford briefly but there's been a yep. bit of a managerial merry-go-round to Everton. They've not really had much of an identity. Well, if you're to go in, buy Everton, install an identity, align that with what fans want, because as much as most clubs do, they want local players coming through and developing well. One of those at the moment that they're doing very well with is Anthony Gordon, bringing yep. him through, and the fans absolutely love him. I think he's still got a long way to go, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I think I think he's a quality player, but he's definitely at the moment he's he's not the um the sort of figures that have been sort of lauded around during the transfer window. No, not at all. Um, but yeah, that would be my answer for that question. So thank you for that question, Christos. I hope we have answered that well enough for you. Um, Tom, I believe you actually have a question for the listeners this week. Yeah, throwing it back out there for the listeners. Um, I don't know if any of the um, avid other 14 uh, podcast listeners are also avid cricket watchers, but there was an incident in the recent one day international series between England women and India women, whereby it was down to the last wicket for England. They weren't chasing that many runs and to get the final wicket, India basically mancadded the um, Charlie Dean of England to win the game. My question is, and obviously Mankad is huge sort of questions about the spirit of the game and whether it's right to do or not. So for those listeners that don't know, Mankadding is by the rules legal, but it's really seen as a really kind of cheaty, like kind of cheeky, dirty way to try and get someone out. And the fact it's one of those things that goes against the spirit of the game. Yeah. What is football's equivalent of a Mankad? I will have a think about that for next week as well. That is a very. So I, have some, I have some ideas in my head, but I'm just wondering what other people are sort of thinking. Okay. Hmm. I like that. That is a very good question. So if you have an answer to Tom's question, or you would like to ask us a question that you want us to answer on next week's episode of the podcast, please do get in touch. You can find us on Twitter at other14podcast or alternatively email us on theother14pod at gmail.com. So, Tom, it's now time for our Fab Four game. I I feel it's been an age since you've suffered any form of defeat and the international break. And the international break has helped you again this week with no Premier League fixtures taking place. As nothing has changed, the score is currently still 11-5 to me. So, Tom, um, can you tell us what Premier League games we can look forward to this weekend? So, the fixtures for this weekend, this is match day nine of 
the 22-23 season of the Premier League. So we have Newcastle travel down to West London to take on Fulham and Marco Silva's men. Crystal Palace hosts Chelsea in a London derby. It's West Ham Wolves, a battle of the W's at London Stadium. Stevie G and his Aston Villa men go to Leeds United and take on Jesse March's team. Liverpool host newly led Roberto De Zerbi and Brighton in the three o'clock kickoff on Saturday. Southampton host Frank Lampard's Everton in another three o'clock kickoff. It's a battle of the bees at Vitality Stadium where it's Bournemouth against Brentford. And to round off the weekend's fixtures and a Monday night football fixture, we have Leicester City and Nottingham Forest. They are some very exciting games in there. I'm particularly looking forward to how Brighton do at Liverpool. It's a game that under Potter you would have gone, that won't be an easy game for I'm not looking forward to that game. No. So it would have been a game that you'd go, oh, Liverpool have a job here under a Potter's Brighton, but we'll see how, if anything, has changed. So our Fab Four fixtures this week, Tom, are we have the James Milner derby with Leeds versus Aston Villa. Mitrovic facing his old team in Newcastle. A relegation six-pointer with West Ham hosting Wolves. And the East Midland derby, which is a historic game between the two, um, which across all competitions, they have had 40 wins apiece. So they cannot be separated with Leicester v Forest. And obviously that is Jesse Lingard going back to Leicester when he had his loan spell there while at Manchester United. So, Leeds versus Aston Villa. What do you think the score's going to be? I think the win that Villa got in their last game did help Stevie a little bit in terms of taking the pressure off. He is going to Ellen Road where I think the crowd is obviously always going to be buzzing for that game. I look at it and think Leeds, Leeds recently have sort of not necessarily gone off the boil but oh, they did just have that 5-2 defeat against um, against Brentford actually didn't they mm. that was their I think their last game actually they haven't played for a while so they need a bit of a bounce back I would say now defensively is that going back to the old market Marcelo Bielsa way I'm not so sure we have seen Jesse March sort of taking a little bit more sort of onus on sort of shoring them up a little bit I will probably say that Stevie tries to get it going a bit further. I know I'm going to say a Villa 2 leads one result. Ooh. So uh, I'm, I think, well, I'm going to completely disagree with you. I really am excited by Leeds this season. Villa bore me. Villa do nothing original. So I'm putting um, Leeds to win that at home 2-0. So Fulham Newcastle, do you think Mitrovic can see his good start to the season continue against his old team? I think Mitrovic does get on the score sheet for this for this week. I also look at the fact that Newcastle have sort of become a little bit of a draw specialist over the last couple of games. I think they've only got one win under their belt um, in the Premier League this season, but have got quite a number of draws. Um, it's a difficult one because Fulham have been playing well at home. We were speaking very highly of them last week. We were speaking very highly of them, but it's a big test for them against Newcastle. Um, 
What do I think? I'm stumped with this one. You're giving me a really quick response here, Tom. Yeah, I know I am. Oh, go on. I'll have Newcastle break their, uh, their drawing streak. And uh, again, I'll go for a 2-1 Newcastle win. Oh, so, so far you think every away team is going to win 2-1. Um, I think this is, once again, I think this is going to kind of break Newcastle's little bit of slump. But I'm going to go that they're going to win 3-0. Um, I know we've spoken very highly about oh, Silver's Yep, I just think Newcastle are a very good side and it's just going to click for them. They've had a, quite a few weeks to think about it, piece stuff together. Um, so I try, I have faith in Eddie Howe. Um, okay, so then West Ham are hosting Wolves at the London Stadium. Before um, we get to this, can I just point out that the every game so far that you've put where West Ham have been included in, in the Fab Four, you have guessed correctly. Yes, so I'm your not, history I'm is not, very good with this. I'm not saying people so should put I money on it. I do, I, do, I, do question, I do question putting this into the um, into the list of games to, for predictions. But anywho, I'll digress. It, w- it was included because the other games were Southampton Everton, which boring, and Bournemouth v Brentford, which I don't know, just not that excited by either. Uh, so that's why. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, two teams. Don't get upset. Don't get upset by me picking. Exactly. This is an exciting match because they're both in relegation battle. And also, I'm I'm just, I'm just saying. Don't don't moan about my form. Just get better. Just get better at the game. Stop picking your own team. So yeah, obviously this is a battle of two teams sort of towards the bottom. We've had poor starts to the season. We mentioned in the pod last week about teams who should be more worried. None of those teams should be worried. At the moment, but obviously they need to get better. Um, but I can only see one team coming out with a result in this game. And um, obviously, I, both teams have had quite a while to think about um, things off the pitch and on the pitch. I see a West Ham win, and I will go for a West Ham two Wolves nil result. Oh, okay, nice. I will be going to the London Stadium this weekend to watch the game. So obviously I want a game full of excitement. So because clearly I'm very good at this, I'm putting down West Ham to win 4-1. They've got history against Wolves of scoring a lot of goals. And oh. I'm going 4-1. We need big predictions. Look, just because I'm not sitting on the fence, you've you've gone for a 2-1, a 2-1 and a 2-0. Like not on the fence, but not exciting. I've gone for a three 0 and a four one in my prediction so far. You know, you got you got to be daring with this, Tom. Um, right. And then final game. <laughs> yeah, this is when you're going to tell me that you're expecting. You a, for daring. You're, you're, you're expecting a six five thriller between Leicester v Forest. So I've gone for the Paddy Power seven all at the King Power Stadium. Um, we've got Leicester v Forest. Leicester not looking too great. Forest once again, real nothing special from either of them. So another game that's. The three points is so crucial for both teams. Yeah, two teams who haven't been great defensively so far this season. Obviously, we mentioned Leicester in the um, last episode's uh, stats corner um, about their defensive frailties right now. I don't think that will improve um, coming into this game. Um, Forest looked good for parts against Fulham. So two teams who defensively have been... <sighs> Not fantastic this year. Leicester, we've already mentioned in a previous stats corner. And two teams that kind of do need to get it together. I, I, I'm i going to go for a five-goal thriller here. 
Okay. And again, both the you know, Forest are probably sick of their five goal thrillers right now, but I'm going to go for another one. Um, unfortunately, I don't see it in favour of Forest. I do think that Leicester might, you know, we've said, you know, Leicester had a, a lot of time uh, away as most of the other teams have. I'm going to have some time to think about it. I, I do think that Brendan should start to get it together. And I don't think Forest are quite there yet in terms of getting the whole chemistry of the squad together. So I would say Leicester 3, Forest 2. Leicester 3, Forest 2. He has suddenly gone putting all the goals everywhere. Welcome to the game, Tom. I'm going to go for a Leicester 1-0 win. Oh, hang on. I'm boring of you. Well, you know. So my my whole stats corner from last week just means nothing to you. Um, as I said, you gave you told me a lot of things in stats corner last week, but as much as the stats kind of suggest that Leicester's defense is atrocious and they're going to get relegated, um, I don't know. I just have a bit more faith in Rogers than I do any of the other managers that have been in his position. I have a bit more faith in the squads than any of the squads that have been in their position before. I look at the squads that have survived. They are better. I think Leicester are going to pick up their first three points of the season here. And it's going to be against a poor Forest side that are still, I don't think, are going to click because there's just too many of them. Yeah, which is my sort of thought process exactly as well. Mm. So, And we will see how we get on this weekend with our predictions in next week's episode of the podcast. Maybe there is some redemption for... Tom. And so that brings us to the end of this episode of the Other 14 podcast. So thank you for downloading and listening to this week's episode of the podcast with Tom and myself. Please subscribe to us and give us a rating on your podcast platform of choice. Also do recommend us to your friends and family. We are available on all good podcast platforms including Google, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Tom, the international break is over, so we can look forward to a full week of Premier League football, which Finally. which people around the country will be rejoicing for. So we'll come back next week and we'll be reviewing the ongoings of Game Week 9. It's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. And we'll see you next week on the Other 14 podcast.